0: Hey there, you know we believe community is everything and that's why we're taking this week to introduce you to some of the incredible people doing amazing things in the We Are For Good global community. Today's episode features Cameron Outlaw. We met Cam in the We Are For Good community and he currently serves as the Director of Global Partnerships at A Child's Hope Foundation. He's passionate about asset-based community development, collaboration, empowerment, and education. He leads our community channel for international development inside the community. To meet him and other like-minded friends, visit weareforgoodcommunity.com.
1: So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world.
0: So let's get started. Becky, you know those days that we just start like beaming before we start?
1: We're like straight up Cheshire cats (laughs) today. We say favorite human alert a lot, but we really mean it (laughs) this time.
0: (laughs) Because, you know, we were talking before this started. There's a lot of people that blow our minds, that come in through our community. And it is like the most centralized place of good humans that are lifting each other, encouraging each other. Like that space is dynamite. And that's why we love that community so much. But sometimes people come through that you're just like, is this person real? And I had that feeling when I met Cameron Outlaw, our guest today on the podcast, or affectionately known as Camo or Cam, or, you know, he'll go with whatever you want to go with because he's that kind of guy too. But Camo comes into this place and has this heart of service, heart of connecting with people, but not in like a sleazy networking type of vibe. <laughs> in a, I want to connect because there is so much good to unlock as we kind of mm. hear what each other are working on and processing through And so I'm just here for it. So Cameron Outlaw is here. He is the Director of Global Partnerships at a Child's Hope Foundation where he's building a network of individuals, organizations, and businesses that can move the needle forward in regard to the international orphan crisis, which you know is a huge heartbeat of ours around here. And so the fact that you're pouring into that work in such a democratic way and inclusive way is just really heart-centering to us as well. But he also leads this group that he really originated in the We Are For Good community called International Development. Where he just opened up kind of a sub channel, kind of its own thread, where they have gatherings, they talk about stuff, they survey each other, they just check in on each other. And it has become this like beacon of like what's the power of community is when it starts to ripple out and people find each other and they feel uplifted. And so we've been really excited to talk to Cameron. And with Community Week, we're like, we got to get him on the podcast. And so we get that scheduled. And you know, he has to reschedule. And this happens from time to time, right? Whenever we have podcast guests. But not often do up. we get <laughs> Not often do we get this message. I'm gonna read it verbatim because it's just so Cameron Outlaw. I'm so sorry to reschedule. I was invited to speak with the Minister of Peace of Ethiopia at that time. And I'd felt rude not to tell her no. Dot, 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 and it goes on. Okay. We're talking to a guy here that meets with the Minister of Peace of Ethiopia in his spare time, but he has made time to hang with us on the We Are For Good podcast. Cameron Outlaw, get in this house. Thanks for being here. We're honored. <laughs> You
2: guys are so wonderful. Um and I I feel like I I think I believe in luck or blessing, you know, however you want to slice it, but I just feel really lucky to to be with both of you, to be a part of the We Are For Good community as well as when I find myself in random conversations with dignitaries. And <laughs> I I don't, I, don't, I don't know how I get here. Um but it it comes to this like positive attraction to good things in the world. And so I think there's some divine appointment of of the things I get myself into. And it's just really cool to try to generate some greater good in this world. So
0: thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, mm-hmm. thanks for that Very tone cool. setting. And I got to give a shout out to Taylor Johnson, who brought you into the community because she Taylor. is a powerhouse too. And just so grateful mm-hmm. for her friendship Love and her. belief in this community. So Cam, take us back to your story. We want to hear about you growing up. What made you into this like heartwired, internationally minded human being and kind of catch us up on your story? I think a best
2: place to start
0: is more current. So I got married two and a half years ago to
2: a wonderful woman named Kristen. Hi,
1: Kristen. She is
2: just as beautiful as she is loving. It's, It's incredible. And I think why I want to start there with my story is because I couldn't have come to understand myself as well as I have without her. And so, yeah, she's a gift. Oh and gosh. so even to start there, this paints the picture of my of my past and my childhood where I had like kind of previously kept things disintegrated or in chapters of life. And I don't think that's how God desires me to live in the sense, I want to be a fully integrated human. And a lot of my recent integration which brings past to present and future has come because of Kristen. Very cool. All that to say, like I was adopted as a baby and I think I've just felt so much overwhelming love in my life that I can't not just give it back and hopefully in a greater magnitude. And so as a child I my my adoptive family is awesome. They're my mom and my dad they somehow communicated this idea to me like, Cam, you are so loved by three groups of people that you need to know. You're so loved by God because he orchestrated your, your story to be this way. You're so loved by your mom and dad because we wanted to adopt you. We love you that much. And you are so loved by your biological mother who said she wanted a greater story for you that she couldn't offer me at that time. And like, to start off a life, Prior to being born with that much love, I think I'm just the result of love coming into this world, and I'm not a perfect person by any means, and I have a lot of growth to continue to do. But I think that's a lot of where I've come, and just been really connected to people who are doing good in the world. I went to the University of Florida, go Gators! I went two times.
3: Um, (laughs) I got
2: got my bachelor's in political science. Realized I didn't find what I wanted in that degree um, necessarily, I made wonderful connections, and then I took two years off, did some soul searching with an organization called the Navigators, and then um, kind of figured out, wow, community and belonging and connection are really important to me. How do I do that Mo beta? And so it, <laughs> um, it ended up going to back to school for a master's in leadership development at UF, and was like hold up. There's a lot of change that a person can make when they understand how people work and how do you develop leaders? One of my philosophies on that is like, anybody is a leader, can be a leader. It And I think I want to maybe de-hierarchy the term leader for people in their, in their daily life. Like, <laughs> leading yourself is a full-time job. And so, Hopefully, you are leading yourself in the directions that you feel called and want to go um and so now I'm here. I've been traveling the world, which is a privilege I see that um since I was twelve um I've saved a lot of my money in order to do that which I love, which is to see the world meet people, have connections and and try to increase the good that is here uh, on this planet. Um, other things that I love. Are being outside outdoors like camping, hiking. I love to travel, and then I also love group fitness. Like I'm a cycle instructor. I'm in <laughs> the midst cool. of like a, a hiatus, but it's just like it's the people. It's always the people. It's not. It's not just travel. It's not just nature. It's not just uh, exercise. It's being able to do it with people. And so, what's greater than being on a stationary bike, sweating and, and smiling? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, sometimes I think we created We Are For Good just to meet Cameron Outlaw. <laughs> like, <laughs> truly. You're because so I, I I think people may be wondering, like, how do you pick your community week guest? How do you, mm-hmm. how, how do people get on here? And I'll tell you how. And here's the secret formula. You lean in. To community. Everybody who is featured on this podcast is somebody who shows up, who leans in. Cameron is constantly connecting, whether it's in our community. Um, I, I just think of like Dr. Bertrude Albert that we had on the podcast who yes. Cameron brought to us, <laughs> who we've fallen in love with. Oh and gosh. that's the thing about your story, Cam, is, mm-hmm. is that I think it all starts with that love that you talked about. And I just want you to know that that we see – how you show up and how you spread that around everything Mm -hmm. that you've gotten in your life and how you spread that around. And so I want to talk about a child's hope foundation because you are the one that made us aware of this incredible nonprofit. And y'all, we talk so often about like not just serving the need, but getting to the root of the Mm -hmm. need. And I think that a child's hope foundation does that. It's not like you're going in to these global orphanages saying, how can I serve the kids? That's one component you're like, how can we shut these orphan orphanages down? How can we make them obsolete and create a space of belonging for kids everywhere? So take us back, tell us about your mission and help our listeners fall in love with it as much as we have.
2: So Child's Hope Foundation started in 2002 with best of intentions, as a lot of things do. And we started with a trip to Haiti. And so Paul Cook is uh, our founder. And he was like, Whoa. Things have to change for the the lives of these kids, and so they started uh, the organization in so over like in 2004, the Haitian adoption orphanage, like they created an orphanage because of that, and so they were trying to figure out how do we get kids who don't have families into families, whether international or local adoptions. Over time, they realized Americans aren't the best ones to run an orphanage here. Let us give it back to the community, and so in 2006, they handed it off to the orphanage, and we're like a child's hope is not really focused on doing is running an orphanage. That's not our, our set. That's not what we're gifted at, but we really desire to help vulnerable children. Um, and so over time the partnership in Haiti kind of split and we started working in Mexico because there was some connections that people had, uh, in the state of Baja, California, just South of California. Um, And we started taking service trips as a lot of organizations do like, oh, there's a bunch of good hearted Americans who want to help and serve and love kids. And so we started doing that, bringing kids to these orphanages that we had partnered with, um, with moderate success. Uh, The trip attendees had a wonderful time, became committed and would often come back regularly to these homes, which is interesting because sometimes we find organizations who um, it's kind of like a one and done. Kids never see these people again. But what we've found is we've created a community of people who are pretty dedicated to these specific kids in these specific homes. And so that's an interesting thing when I think of service trips that we have as a part of our organization. Um, And then over time, in the last four or five years, uh, we realized we want to do good better. How, How do we get there? And so we recognize on the international stage, the word deinstitutionalization is a, is a hot topic item right now. Like how do we know that kids shouldn't be raised in institutions? How do we get them to families? That is a very intractable issue, a complex problem, if you will. And so we're recognizing while we hope that one of the end results is the reduction of the number of orphanages in the world, meaning that kids are being placed in families. I think in the way that our world is structured, orphanages Um, I did air quotes right there. Uh, (laughs) Orphanages will always serve some role where kids who don't have families, don't have services in their community to connect them to adoption or foster services are going to need to or will find themselves in some sort of shelter. And that's what we want orphanages to be uh, long term. Until then, we realized orphanages are not ready to transform into that idea. As much as the United the, the United Nations as well as the international community are calling for like, hey, let's say no more to these things. We have to have a plan. We have to have a roadmap to actually make this happen. And that's where a Child's Hope Foundation has inserted ourselves. We recognize that a lot of um, orphanages, if we're actually going to move the needle forward, are going to need a lot of coaching and partnership. They don't need me to do it for them. No, they like... Talking about Dr. Bertrand Albert, the locals are the heroes of the story. Let us connect, equip, and empower them to do the job for their community that they they are called to as community members. And so our job come, comes along the lines of, well, how do we find organizations that are working with systems or networks of orphanages in these countries, equip them to be coaches, trainers, of these orphanage directors. What we want to see through our Thrive Certification program is three main things right now is that there would be a higher quality of leadership in these homes, that there would be higher quality of care coming to those kids because they desperately need it now. And then also that there would be a higher level of financial transparency in that orphanage because honestly, a lot of these institutions don't have the funds of themselves or or federally uh, funded that they need support. How are you going to get support if you're not a trustworthy organization or institution? We hope that by working together with a Child's Hope Foundation, orphanages and organizations can increase the level of trustworthiness that these facilities are carrying or that these facilities have in the world so that they can be somewhat independent financially, but receiving the the structural support from a Child's Hope to help them transition into something beyond I recognize I'm saying a lot of words and hopefully you were able to track with me. I have a mind map that I would love to just be able to put on a projector and like cast. But alas,
0: we are using podcasts, which is great stuff.
1: (laughs) I could just visualize the synapses firing. I get it.
0: Yeah, I think you did a beautiful job of that. And I want to applaud you guys because you make it okay and you demonstrate it's okay to change your mind or change the way you show up and i feel like we all have to be in that position yeah. to do that because you know even with the best of intentions actually often with the best of intentions we still need to course correct as we figure out what the community really needs or what's really happening on the ground or what's the impacts of our work and so i appreciate you threading that part of your story um and it was part of dr bertrude albert's story too as i remember back to hers you know so i think there's so much power in that can we talk about your role as a partnerships director i mean i think what you do is so interesting. And I think clearly you're the kind of person who can get people together and find the commonalities. But we talk a lot about partnerships on this podcast and we get a lot of questions in our DMs too of like, what's a really dynamic partnership look like? Can you kind of share some of your philosophy of that? What are you looking for when you find a new partner and how does that kind of look?
2: Since I joined a Child's Hope Foundation back in January, I've I've been part of leading this restructuring of partnerships, like what, what are partnerships for our organization? How do we get them to move further, um, and create actual collective impact? And so I, I kind of built out our framework of like, we have a variety of types of partners that we're working with, whether it's a network partner, which is somebody like the, we are for good community. It's a network partner. There's just this group of people that we're connected to that we want to continue to build almost like a, have a snowball effect of like, Knowing people is, is powerful. And then we have orphanage partners, which we, the Child's Hope Foundation doesn't own any orphanages, but we are partnering with orphanages as homes. And then we have supportive services partners who um, are able to provide supportive services to these orphanage partners. So we wanna, I want to find experts who are focusing on therapy, mentorship, education and tutoring, caregiver support, basic needs, healthcare. We have like a very long list of things of what a supportive services partner could do. And we want to help finance if necessary, but connect them, actually get the needs met on the, on the ground. Uh, and I'm going to come back to this idea of our thrive certification program because it's strategic. It's not just like, Hey friend, you do stuff. You want to do stuff over here? No, it's like the orphanage partners have very clear asks because they move through our program of like this is what we're looking for, so it's directed by the local community because they're the ones who know what the issue is, and they're also aware of the community around them. Is there anybody else in the community already doing this? So that that was a tangent, um, and then we would go into deployment partners. These are our organizations who are wonderful. So, do you remember Trinity Emmanuel from Ninety Two Hands or Era Ninety Two? Oh, Y'all, um, yes, yeah. good human. Twenty Twenty One. What a man. Love him. He is now my partner. We are partnering together what? to do work in what? Uganda because of We Are For Good. Like, it's so Holy cool. Y'all. I'm dead. <laughs> and I wouldn't have known had y'all not done the done the dang thing, done the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, really good. Uh, um, ultimately, he is one of our deployment partners. He has an organization called 92 Hands, which is specifically serving orphans and vulnerable children living in the slums of Kampala. And we are coming alongside what they're doing, equipping them with our Thrive Certification Program, providing some financial support, as well as providing continual coaching and reporting and monitoring just to make sure that there's like collaborative effort. People who are doing good don't need less resources. They need more resources. And so we want to find, my job is to find these excellent individuals who are serving vulnerable populations, namely children, Around the world and making sure that they can do good better. I kind of like him. What I get to do is like, I get to talk about my jetpack. Hey, organization like 92 <laughs> Hands, do you want a jetpack? Do you want to go farther and faster um, with us? We see you as champions. Let us get you there faster. And so we're trying to create collective impact that way. And so to circle back to your question, like the philosophy around partnerships is know what you do really well. And then tell people that you do that <laughs> really well. And the, and the partnerships will come. People will be like, Oh, Cam, that's actually really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's do that. I'm like, okay.
0: I'm laughing, but it's so brilliant because it's it so is simple. It's so simple and, it's and so true. Smart and brilliant. <laughs>
1: Taking a quick pause from today's episode to share some truly exciting news. To celebrate Community Week, we're officially launching our merch store. You can find it at weareforgood.com backslash shop. There you'll find workbooks, coffee mugs, super soft t-shirts with your favorite sayings and more. We want to see We Are For Good shirts and merch all across the globe in your corner of the world. Snag a selfie with your merch and use the hashtag good so we can see it. You can find everything over at WeAreForgood.com backslash shop.
0: Hey friends, we're taking a quick pause to highlight more incredible members of the We Are For Good community.
3: Y'all, it is your friend Evan from Houston, Texas. Since I discovered the We Are For Good podcast and the community last year. It has truly become the thing I didn't know I needed and I believe it's in many ways the thing many of us didn't know we needed in an industry that continues to be interesting but largely challenging. You all bring such infectious optimism to the fore and you have great talented guests on the show. You've got such a big heart that is fulfilling all the needs possible in the online community. And it's just a great place to be. Thanks so much for everything you all do. John, Becky, Abby, Julie, and everyone else.
0: This community gathered is powering the Impact Uprising. And we feel incredibly honored to play even a small part of each of these stories. So wherever you're at in the world, hope you know our team and the encouraging humans gathered in the community are cheering you on every single day. If you're feeling the FOMO and want to join us, head on over to weareforgoodcommunity.com. We can't wait to see you inside.
1: I feel like John, you've said this up teen times. You know, on the podcast here, it's like everybody has something that makes their mission unique. Find that story, lean into your unique skill set, and and bent to your take on this, and own it. And I just have to say, like. Cam you're the perfect person to be in charge of partnerships for this <laughs> because you're an incredible listener you've got great vision and gosh you can you care so dang much and i just i want to thank you for even circling back on that connection with Trinity, which for anybody who doesn't know that story, it was episode 210. You can go back, but Trinity was one of these Kampala you know, slum children. And the way that he rose out of that to build one of the most progressive digital marketing companies that is powered by these street kids is one of just the great stories that needs to be told over and over. So I'm so glad that you found each other. But I think that's what makes you so special and why you're here right now is because you have an uncanny ability to gather and to listen and to pull the best out of people. And so I want to talk about this sub community that you have created within the We Are For Good community. And if you're not in there, listeners, you need to come in because it's totally free. It's Community.com. and you can ask anything you want to ask. You can share anything you want to share and you are going to get surrounded by people who care and will give you everything that they can give because they know that we all run faster. When we check our ego's the door and we share with what we have. So Cam, you were the first one in the community to rise up and say, I think I want to gather an intentional group of people who have a focus in international development. So talk about what that sub community has, has done for you. And we also want to know like about some of the trends you guys are seeing in international development today.
2: The international development subgroup has just been really cool. I've been able to bring in some of my friends that I knew outside of We Are For Good into this, like, hey, I see what we're doing here. We have this think and do tank. But let us do that more with more people. And so kind of transferring this uh, unaffiliated group into the We Are For Good subgroup for international development has been really cool. Um, I think it's just been a place where I know that I can go and ask questions. Um, And I think what because this is a recent development for for us, I I still want it to build traction. I want to make sure that every time a question is asked, no, back up. I want to make sure that when any nonprofit doing global development or international development work, when they have a question, that they would turn to this subgroup and be like, oh, I know I'm going to get quality answers from there. We're still building it. Like, that's the vision I want. And part of it is like consistency on following up and posting and figuring it out there. But that's where I see it headed. I want, I want on, on my, um, in the CRM that I use, I have a list of people that I haven't contacted yet, but I call it a pool party. Um, like that's the little, the group is like the pool party.
0: (laughs) We call it the ungettable get list. Cameron calls it the pool party. It's awesome. (laughs) I
2: love it. Exactly. And so I want the pool party where everybody can like Oh, are we going to jump in or they're just on the edges? Like, let me jump into that pool of connection. And then they kind of move down my funnel. Like, Oh yeah, we've connected. But ultimately (laughs) I'm seeing the pool party is going to be inside this international development subgroup where people are able to talk, connect with one another. And I kind of envision my role as like an air traffic controller of like, Oh my gosh, you guys should go here. You there. It would be awesome if you met. Um, And that's kind of my job.
1: It's literally like Marco Polo, like you are the Marco Polo in the swimming pool, finding and connecting people. Yes, That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> He's treading yes. water right now. It's great.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like therapeutic services. Therapeutic <laughs> services? Yes. I found you.
1: It's so, cool.
2: so a lot, a lot to still be built inside of that subgroup, but really thankful for your, your trust and your willingness to help me do it.
1: Of course. Um,
2: that other component of your question though, Becky, is the trends in international development. I've seen more openness to collaboration than I have ever. Um, I've been in the nonprofit world for about eight years, nine years now, um, and have faced siloing and like, well, this isn't great. And I've recently gone to two conferences. One is KFO, the Christian Alliance for Orphans. Amazing. And then I went to one called the One Accord Summit. It's part of the Accord Network. Wow. And a common sense that I felt was willingness for people, as you've been mentioning, leave their ego behind and be like, we are here to get the results we want in this world because it's necessary. The quality of people's lives are at stake if we don't do this. And that's really what um, I've seen and been really encouraged by. And I know that I'm a, a force for change in that. Like I want to continue to drive us towards greater collaboration because The complex problems of today are not going to be solved by doing what we did to get here. To kind of riff off of Einstein's quote,
3: yeah. Um,
2: And then two more thoughts on like global trends. I've been noticing that train the trainer models. Everybody's got one. Yeah, (laughs) it feels like we're (laughs) moving towards that. And like, praise the Lord, because that's what we need. We need this idea of like, well, let us empower the locals who already know this, who have the desire to learn, and can can be empowered to do so and like take that that training to their local communities. And it would be weird if I as a white American male was trying to work with these African mothers who live in the slums, if I was trying to convince them of some type of training. And so it's not that it's not ineffective. I think we could be more effective if we're focusing on building that capacity which is what we're working with 92 hands. We are training up their staff team who is Ugandan to do this thrive certification program in those homes. And we get to be like, wow, keep going ladies. You are doing an amazing job. What else do you need? We're trying to serve as a resource here. I got on that tangent because of trained the trainer. It's just something <laughs> to think about. Like how do we build the capacity of those locals? Um, and then that last one was, I was just thinking of technology, has really started to be integrated into global development. Granted, I know that technology is always being uh, being that, but I'm seeing in my sector for orphans and normal children, countries who are responsible for kids who don't have parents are asking for technology to better track their kids. So like a, a case management system that's electronic. A lot of the countries that we're working with don't have an electronic form method to do so. It's just paper trails. And that's really hard to make effective in life. And so we partner with a group called Both Ends Believing who works at, at country level, like at the top level, providing the support, the training to use a software called Children First Software, I believe, the CFFs, where they're training the social workers, the individuals in the government who are responsible for these kids to actually be able to trace, like, how are these kids developing? Oh, you were in this orphanage, but now you're in this foster care system. That didn't work, but you end up here, which is sad to see that happen. But now they actually have usable data. Yeah. And that's that's really changing the game. Um, and I know that a variety of sectors are using technology in amazing ways.
0: Wow. I mean, all three of those things as guideposts for the future is it's really optimistic, you know, because of just the power of what you've even described in this conversation today of like when people that kind of have the same intention just get together and get unlocked up together, like that's what opens up all these doors. And to that ripple mm-hmm. when it starts to grow, I just think is such a, a awesome time, you know, to be alive and to be kind of engaging in this. So I want to talk about the ripple community is everything. It's like a banner. We hang, we actually need banners. Can we get banners? We I don't know if that's do a possible need Banners.
3: because <laughs> <laughs> we I say really it so well.
0: much. <laughs> okay. But community is everything. I, I feel it in your story. So I almost feel like I'm just throwing you a softball question here, but I want to hear your take on it. Cause I think you have such a genuineness and spirit about this, but what does community mean to you, Cameron? What does it mean to, you know, you personally, and just to your work, and how has that kind of showed up in your life? Thank you for that
2: question. And it is a softball, but also like a big softball.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: like, <laughs> it's a weighty a softball. Like, Softballs. Yeah, are hit, yeah. I mean,
0: you don't want to get hit by a softball. Let's be clear. I'm just They're really proud
1: of you for the sports <laughs> reference, Sean. I know, right? Isn't that impressive?
0: <laughs> well done.
2: Well done. And so it it grounds I ground my answer in my two words that I think will be banners for the rest of my life of connection and belonging taking a page from Brene Brown, it's like, those are what people need most. If you're going to learn education, if you're going to heal therapy, if you're going to thrive, which is like this community involvement purpose, I find it really hard to do if you're not connected to community and feel like you belong to that community. Mm. People were created for community. And uh, something that I've found Just an interesting thought is like, if we are desiring for communities to actually create good community members or citizens, right? It's not just going to teach them how to behave. Of course, we can do uh, behavior modification, give them the knowledge, et cetera. But knowledge and behavior are only a small piece of what's actually going to be effective. People have to feel like they belong first. And that's why some of our interventions through our deployment partners. In the homes, these orphanage partners, like if these kids don't feel like they belong, if they don't feel like they have an advocate or a champion, we are going to see uh, very small positive results, borderline negative results. Because just to be uh, mechanical or robotic with the ways that you're engaging in community is not actually going to affect change. And I'm guilty of that. Like, we are, I, my friend, I sometimes am robotic in how I do life and that I want to, I want to mature out of that. I want to grow out of that. And where am I going to do that in community? And so uh, I think people need to belong in order to, in order to believe that they belong in order to like believe that there's something greater for them. And then they're actually going to get their behaviors in line first. So it's almost like the, uh, an order of operations that needs to be followed. And that's how we're going to create integrated persons who are holistic and, and healthy.
1: I mean, you are our poster child for community as <laughs> everything. You truly are. And and I I think the thing that's striking me the most right now, Cameron, as you talk, is you live belonging. I want to give you that compliment because there is absolutely nothing heavy-handed about anything that you've said about your approach. It it is so hand-to-hand, one-to-one, your approach to not just business. I just want to say the way that you connect with human beings. And I think people feel that genuineness with you and it translates in the mission so well, which is why I think you're in such a good Um, Position at a child's hope because it is truly amplifying the superpower that you have. Because if you come in and say, Here's the playbook, you know, 92 hands, which PS that was like created that foundation after their mothers, right? Trinity and his best friend's mothers who were both victims of sexual assault and Mm -hmm. had to live in the slums. And it's the 92 hands coming together is just so prophetic and and poetic and i i just think what you just said there is one of the great umbrellas that we all just want to sit under, you know, and, 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 and nestle under because it feels mm-hmm. comfortable. And there's equity baked into it and there's mm-hmm. dignity baked into it and there's empowerment baked into it. And so thank you for checking every part of your privilege. Thanks for taking the temperature of the room and being self-aware and for coming in with open hands. And I really think that that approach mm-hmm is why you're able to have such success. And people that approach mission work in that way find greater success because the humility is driving deeper engagement. So bravo to you, my friend. And you know this question is coming um, because you're (laughs) a rabid fan of the podcast and the community and we're so grateful for it. But like, tell us a story, and I can imagine you have so many, a story of philanthropy that has just stuck with you? It could be in this position. It could have been growing up. What's one that kind of lifts up to you right now?
2: I love the question. And stories are some of the most powerful things that we have to combat shame. Preach and it. so I, I love, I love that. And so it's going to be a story from my last job, which was with P4H Global. So I worked under Dr. Gertrude Albert and Dr. Yay. Priscilla Zelaya.
0: Dream job.
2: <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. And I think I felt the the pureness of philanthropy come through when I saw my bosses be willing to take like to assure me that we're not going to let you go Cam because of financial cutbacks. So I'll paint the context. I I got this job at P for H back in 2019. It was awesome. I was leading trips to do education development to Nicaragua and to Haiti. And then in 2020, we were all kind of shocked by the COVID pandemic. I then was. (laughs) pretty insecure. Like, Oh my gosh, my job is to lead trips. How am I going to actually add value to this organization? And Dr. B and Dr. P, they said, Cam, we love you so much that we are going to, we would take a pay cut before we have to let you go. And I'm like, what? That is so kind. And like kindness, I think kind in our world today doesn't get Enough focus. Like it can be watered down when we think of kindness, but kindness sees the need of people at deep levels, at all levels of personhood, and is able to move towards them in a way that is actually effective and it starts to heal. The effect that Dr. B and Dr. P had on my heart was to heal me from insecurity and it also produced loyalty. And I was like, wow. Even just to mention, I think that the reason why um, I moved to a Child's Hope Foundation is because Dr. B and Dr. P were like, Cam, there's there's more for you out here. I was, re- I was reaching uh, almost like a ceiling in regards to my professional career. And they were like, it's time for an off-ramp. And so they gave me plenty of time to find a new job and were so supportive of me. And I also wanted to leave because my salary could be freed up to hire more Haitians to do the on-the-ground work in Haiti. I'm like, this makes sense. And so I've been so, so blessed, so lucky to come back to the term uh, to meet the people that I have and I'm, I'm
0: greater for it.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: That might have been the most like poignant story that I've heard in a heck of a long mm-hmm. time.
1: <laughs> and the leadership example... Yeah, yeah.
0: like I'm kind of just like this convergence, this moment. I mean, this is what evolved leadership looks like, you know? You're so subscribed in what Simon Sinek would call the infinite game or just outside the walls of our organization that we realize there's greater power in releasing people and unleashing people that are passionate, that are gifted, that are talented. Like let them grow up through your organization and send them out. Like that is beautiful. And just the kindness of Dr. B and Dr. P doesn't Mm -hmm. surprise me having sent sit in her orbit. Wow. So we're going to drop the show notes, all these conversations, because I feel like you've referenced some of really the most moving conversations that we've ever had on the Indeed. podcast. And you've confirmed the beauty mm-hmm. of humanity behind those stories. So thank you, Cam, for that.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, okay. We're, we're winding down, which is making us sad, but
3: yep, <laughs> all good <now. laughs> things. We want to release you back to go build <laughs>
0: partnerships, you know, with the right. you know ministers of peace of the world. So here's the deal. <laughs> What's your one good thing? What's a piece of advice, a mantra, maybe a secret to just something that you've found in life that you want to impart on the community today?
2: I think the piece of advice is something that I need to take myself. (laughs) It's like (laughs) invest in the culture you're creating with consistent and effective inputs. The idea here is like to be a champion of people first principles that you would cherish humankind, that you would take the extra minute to talk to your colleague or talk to your partner in a way that pushes past the humdrum of business. And man was not made to work, but work was given to man so that and humankind so that there would be dignity. Like that dignity would be highlighted. And I, I believe this principle, like dignity you don't I don't think that you give dignity to people. You can only raise awareness that their dignity already exists. I, as a person, can't take away somebody's dignity. I can only champion it or kind of besmudge it. And I want to be a champion of people's dignity. And so you can do that daily by having meaningful conversations, short snippets, a minute, two minutes, a high five, whatever, that recognize their humanity. And you can do that in large ways by even thinking structurally of how the processes or systems of your organization are working together. And I'm so down to talk to anybody about what that might look like <laughs> as well. Oh, um,
1: so. I want to go to the church of camo. Like I, <laughs> oh, I feel your spirit. I, I just, I. Write a
0: book, my friend. Yeah. Right? Like I, I mean, listen to you
1: and yes. I'm like, we are so dang lucky to know you, to like have your heart represented here and I just think you're an extraordinary soul. I'm just ex- just unbelievably grateful that you have found our community. You're pouring in with your specific gifts. And so, y'all, you know, we, we always create some space for our guests to, to share how they can connect, but it's community week, which means we all need to show up generously and we want to give you some time to tell us what a Child's Hope Foundation needs. And we as a community want to show up and be generous with it. So tell our listeners how they can connect with you, how they can connect with the foundation, but also yeah. tell us like how we can be a light to you and amplify your incredible work.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. I love I love the opportunity to, to talk about what I do. So for a Child's Hope Foundation, you can find us on social media. Um you can also find us at our website, which is a hope foundation.org or a c h f dot org. Some things that we have coming up are some uh, end-of-the-year giving campaigns. One is the 12 days of giving where we are focusing on specific regions or projects or people that we want to really empower. And so what's what's really beneficial and another luckiness is we have a, a family foundation who has graciously offered to cover all of our overhead costs, all of our staff salaries. Oh, and so thank you,
1: Family Foundation.
2: Right there. Forgetting amazing. it. <laughs> and so one of the things is that all of these donations are going to have a hundred percent impact where donors decide to to give if they'd give. I'm like, that's amazing. We feel so lucky. And so follow us on social media to learn more about that campaign. You can also join us as a as a monthly donor part of our aunts and uncles program is what we call it because we want people oh! to feel connected. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? We want people to feel connected to the, to the wonderful kids that our programs are, are reaching and touching around the world. We're active in seven different countries and looking to expand. Um, Ethiopia is one of the places on our mind that we're hoping to, to work soon. And I would say also that continue to reach out in the international development subgroup on the We Are For Good community. I would love to talk to anybody there. I can also be reached at my personal or my work email, which is Cameron, first full name, and then at achf.org. And then also, I go to a wonderful church down here in Tampa. Uh, you can find me at Covenant Life Church. <laughs> it's great. Um, and so, down, down to talk about anything philosophical, ontological, spiritual, what have you, I think there's a lot of good that we can do together.
1: Yeah reach out. Cam I love just to talk dropped to all of his communities like, like you physical, camera any time of everywhere. the day, <laughs> night,
0: week. <laughs> you know where he is. Oh, you're so generous. I mean, yeah, what, a, what an amazing conversation mm-hmm. and what an incredible human you are. Thank you for this time. It's been amazing.
1: Value you so much. Keep, Pouring that good work into the world and just know we are behind you, rooting for you. Please go find – if you're in international development, you'd be a fool not to get into this sub-community <laughs> because it's so well-networked and it shares so well and so generously. So thanks for leading that. Keep going, Cam. We're so rooting for you.
2: Yeah. Everybody, come to the pool party. Love to happen. <laughs> <And> jump <laughs> in. in. Don't stand on Do the it. sides. Yes. Jump in that pool. Jump yes. in. Yes.
1: Thanks, Cam. One more thing. If you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom.